Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hi there everyone and welcome to Talking Recruitment, the latest edition of the REC podcast with me, Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Welcome along to this episode. Lots going on in the world right now. Whenever you listen to this, we may still not know the uh, result of the uh, American uh, general election on the 3rd of November, or maybe you do, but we're recording this just in advance of uh, of that at the beginning of November and straight after Prime Minister Boris Johnson's announcement of an extended period of four weeks of lockdown for England, building, of course, on similar periods of higher virus controls in Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland that have been taking place over the last few weeks. As ever, your reminder that the REC COVID hub is up and running with all the latest stuff being uploaded every day, plus the helplines and support from your account manager. We're doing everything we can to make sure you have all the information you need. And of course, we're talking to government about the support structures that are needed for businesses and in particular, of course, recruiters through this period. We understand what a tough evening it must be uh, for anyone who's uh, trying to run a business on, on Saturday the 31st. 1st of uh, October when that news was coming out. Let's hope that this time the lockdown will be a little shorter and we can work our way through it. I think there is a mood now that we've got up and running with more online forms of doing business to trade through this time and shut down rather less. And of course, the furlough scheme has been extended to give uh, you some further support if you need it. So uh, a tough time all round, but we get through it together as we did back in the spring and the REC very much here to help you do that and do get in touch if there's anything we can do to help. Aside from uh, that news about uh, England's four-week circuit breaker, a couple of uh, things to point out. One of the things we really want to do in 2021 at the REC is make the case for the good that the industry does, both to clients in terms of making a difference and uh, in the public square to government and the media. A big part of doing that is getting our survey data right. Just a reminder that right now, uh, in the first week of November, we have our industry survey in the field. It's gone out by email to every key contact in REC membership across the 3,300 corporate members. Please do fill that in. It's really important to us being able to do the best possible job we can for you. So a real marker again, do look that out. A reminder email went out on uh, Monday the 2nd of November and the original email went out a week before that. Do check it out and do fill that in. And finally, if you're looking for the latest data on how things were as we uh, passed through October, the latest edition of uh, the REC's report on jobs is coming out on the 5th of November uh, with all the latest uh, billing data on both temporary and permanent placements. And as we get in towards the traditional peak around the build up to Christmas in October and November, be interesting to see how that trend has has picked up. Certainly we saw a recovery through the summer maybe just the beginnings uh, through our jobs recovery chapter of a plateau being driven by this current uncertainty. But we are hopeful that what we'll see is a more of a pause through this four weeks than a fallback to anything like where we were earlier in the year because uh, businesses are better able to trade through this time. Now let's turn to our uh, guests for today and uh, and the discussion that we're going to have. I'm delighted to say that the REC has been doing all sorts of work on how recruiters can support 
tackling unemployment over the next few months. We've recently uh, made a substantial bid for a mediator status on the Kickstarter scheme for young people. And we're talking to the DWP on a weekly basis through our partnership agreement on the other ways in which recruitment can support job search. So uh, delighted to welcome to the pod today two people who are close to this world and hopefully we'll have a really interesting discussion about where we are now and what needs to happen next. So delighted to welcome first Tony Carr, Director at Forefront Partners. Uh, Tony, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, Neil. And also uh, Joe Ingold uh, from Deakin University. Joe, welcome to the pod. And why don't you kick us off by giving us a, a sense of where you think we are right now? Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you today. So, so obviously, as you said, um, the the renewed lockdown is not a surprise to businesses, but also and also hopefully they'll be better prepared. But obviously, it is of significant concern to so many businesses who were really hard hit or have been hard hit throughout this year, and also to people whose uh, whose jobs have have been displaced basically as a result of COVID. So um, so I guess one of the things that is really important for the recruitment sector and the employment services sector is really to look at how we can help people to maybe change job roles, change sectors in the new context that arises. I mean, we don't know quite what it's going to look like yet, but that seems to me to be one of the, uh, the key things that we need to th- be thinking about is how we can facilitate those transitions for people when we we fully come in, into the post-COVID context. Joe, that's interesting. And, you know, I spent last week with my colleagues on the Low Pay Commission trying to work through what we think the picture of the labour market is going into next year and therefore obviously uh, the, the policy on minimum wage. Uh, Tony, that point about transitions I think is really important because if we think about how people look for jobs, they tend to look in the sectors they've been in because one company's not doing so well and another company's picking things up. We're in a situation now where people might have to change whole sectors, aren't we? Absolutely. And I think the, the irony is that is that most people don't really look for work very often. It happens to us every few years and we have to update our CV and we have to remind ourselves how we sell ourselves in interviews. From the point of view of speaking from, I suppose, the employment and skills world, and I should just say these, this is the kind of government-funded programmes which assist unemployed people or people who in low-paid work to upskill this this kind of work on transitioning or, or moving skills across industries is kind of established, but it's so important right now in the context of an uncertainty. It's difficult to predict what's coming down the track. That's that's absolutely uh, certain. But what we can do, I suppose, for individual people looking for work and for those who support them, is helping understand what kind of transferable skills can be taken across different industries. So, Tony, one of the things that I often find in this scenario is, you know, recruiters are heavily engaged in exactly this sort of work in the private sector in normal times. But they can be quite sceptical about getting involved in, in government programmes, which can can perceive to be a bit top down and uh, and inefficient. What have you seen around the world that really works to support transition with co-working between both the 
the private sector and public provision? That's such a good question. And it was part of what I was thinking about in, in coming on your pod today. As part of my history, I, I spent uh, two and a half years at Randstad and I managed to see across their kind of global networks where the best practice was between the kind of recruitment sector and those who are supporting unemployed people. Um, and it's not necessarily something which is, you know, a silver bullet or something that's magic. It's It, it does take collaboration and it takes working a, a kind of trusted relationship because unfortunately, and this is perhaps slightly controversial, but they, these programmes do tend to be top down. They're commissioned centrally or from people who aren't necessarily experts within the recruitment or HR field. So sometimes they they can be perhaps a little bit clunky when, re, when recruitment organisations come into contact with them. But like I said, when, when you get that collaboration between organisations who are good recruiters and who are good employment and skills organisations, you've got, you've got a fantastic happy marriage there. I think that's absolutely uh, right, Tony. And I think one of the things that I perceive the job of the REC to be is to kind of maybe kind of file off the edges of some of that clunkiness in terms of, I think I mentioned Kickstarter in the, the beginning of this uh, this pod, because the discussion that we've had with DWP ministers in the last few months has recognised, and Mims Davis has said to a group of members, you know, the the recruitment, the the kind of jobs recovery has to be driven by the recruitment sector, and part of that is around us understanding where we as recruiters can add most value, and maybe for the next year or so, it is going to be in closer partnership with uh, DWP and with job centres than than we've seen before. Joe, from from your perspective, looking at schemes in the UK and around the world. What would you draw on that that are maybe the things that seem to work well when you've got a private sector that has a set of skills that would not normally be used in this way being used to uh, to support transition discussions with job seekers who, as Tony said, might not have done this for 10 or 15 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, Neil. I mean, one of the things that I've uncovered in my research about business engagement in um, employment programs, in you know, employability programs, is the link between the recruitment sector and the employment support sector. So that was something that we saw in the, the big work program, um, you know, post-financial crisis, uh, that, that actually employability sector organisations were, were engaging with recruiters to place people into work. You can imagine those, you know, the larger employers, that was quite a feature. But but another feature that was, and I will come back to, to a point of, related to that, another feature was, was actually the, the movement of personnel between the two sectors, between the employability and between the recruitment sectors. And we really saw that happening again uh, during the big work programme that, that many people will remember, um, especially in terms of the business engagement, employer engagement, business business development function. And really, for me, there are two things that are so important about how the sectors can basically learn from each other. So the first is is that recruiters are obviously very skilled in working with businesses in order to to put people in work. And and there's also great people in the employment support sector who do this. But I think 
But Tony and I are so passionate about business engagement in employability programs. And one of the things that we've, we're really talking a lot about is, is saying actually businesses don't engage in these programs. It seems like Kickstart is a good example. It seems like such a great, uh, a great prospect, but clearly what's really important for businesses is making it easy for them to engage not assuming that they will that it is a good value proposition for them that actually there's hard work that needs to be done on the ground to engage businesses because that's critical to the success of policies and the second element I, I want to bring out that Tony and I have been have been doing a lot of work with in the employability sector is collaboration and this idea of cooperation the horribly inelegant word of competition, uh, collaboration amidst competition. So that's that's something that it's it it can work better in some institutional contexts than others. It depends um, on on the markets. But what we'd really like we really want to advocate is that actually it makes much more sense to approach businesses um, in a more coherent way. So you don't have hundreds of people going out to businesses basically uh, trying to to market the same programs or market the same people because we know I know from my research that that businesses don't like that. It's just too too cumbersome and frustrating for them i think that makes a lot of sense to me joe as an outlook and i you know i've been listening to to you and tony talk about this and i the voice the voice in my head is saying you know i as a policy and uh public affairs specialist person you know i've done years thinking about the interaction of business and government and my cbi days i kind of get this but from the point of view of many businesses right now who are hanging on by their fingernails, there's a legitimate question of, well, if I get involved with a government scheme, is it a load of bureaucracy that I will struggle to get past? And, and will it deliver what I need it to deliver for my business? Because I'm all for doing the right thing. But can I make it work for me if it's being handed down from on high? Tony, I know you had some thoughts on what we were just hearing from, from Joe, so maybe pick it up from there. Yeah, thanks, Neil. And I think your last point there about perceptions is is, is really important. Um, I think you're right. Businesses may have had um, either history or experience of, of interacting with a government scheme and had their fingers burnt or not had the greatest experience. Similarly, history has kind of shown that this kind of um, disconnect or distrust between some recruiters and some livery agents of employment programs. So I, I certainly know that some employability providers have had policies in the past of not going to work with recruiters because of uh, a perception, perhaps ill-conceived, a perception that the jobs are, are not going to be stable or that the, you know it's not going to be right for that particular person. And similarly, from a recruiter's point of view, that uh, it, there's this perception that perhaps they're trying to steal my uh, relationships. So I think these perceptions aren't necessarily accurate, but they're certainly important to consider. In the context of where we are now in the in the market, I I, I would urge anyone listening to reconsider the, the the potential benefits of collaboration between recruiters and employment um, employability providers. And I'll, I'll give another reason for this. I think the recruitment industry is is fantastic at what it does, and it's an incredibly important part of the economy. Then you've got the employability and skills providers who themselves are. Um, almost like a community of experts 
in what they do. Uh, to give a particular example of this, you, you might have an organisation who is absolutely at the forefront of um, policy and thought leadership when it comes to businesses hiring people with disabilities or people who are neurodiverse or for um, being able to job carve to, um, to fit perhaps more flexible working conditions. And this expertise runs through the employability sector in all sorts of different ways. And I just feel as though where we've got it right is where recruiters have harnessed that expertise to add value to their offer and the relationships and service that they give to employers, because it can be a win-win. You know, these guys, these, these, these providers are getting paid by the government to deliver a service. It doesn't have to kind of step on the toes of what a recruiter's uh, relationship is with a business. So there's a plea there, if you like, for for anyone listening to this to kind of work out who can collaborate in their area, who can add value to the offer that they're providing to their businesses. I think that's a really interesting way of viewing it, because uh, Tony, because it, it picks up on a couple of things that I think you know, REC members listening to this will recognise. One is we're we're used to the kind of managed service provision. RPO style uh, arrangements whereby different recruitment businesses are working together and in some ways stapling some of the employability provider side into those supply chains is just the next generation of some of what we've already been doing. The other bit is you know, we can see some of the big players moving in that direction. Now, obviously, Read and Partnership have been around for years, but you look at something like a Deco Working Ventures that's out there now. And, and it's certainly been my experience over the last two, three months, where with some of these big employability contracts that uh, people are bidding for now, that people are looking to talk to the REC and say, as part of our de- delivery for this we are going to need really strong partnerships with the recruitment sector because there's a load of stuff facing into the private sector that we just cannot do without recruiters so there's an opportunity here that certainly we at the REC see very clearly and which we'll we'll continue to work with people on set up for the right people to meet the right people on all of this but I think the uh, the real thing here is you kind of is how we work together to articulate what the opportunity is. And the opportunity, yes, of course, is about a kind of flow of work for recruiters at a time when things are very, very tough. But it's also about that purpose. And, you know, we talk a lot of the REC about uh, making great work happen because that's what we believe recruiters do. I think there is a real opportunity to do that here for a group of people who do need to transition. I mean, I'm aware that we need to think about how we make this simple for recruiters and ultimately for recruiters' clients who are you know, facing a tough time right now. Is there one piece of advice, perhaps, Joe, that you'd give sort of medium-sized, place-based recruitment businesses looking at this and thinking, how do I play into it? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I guess it's about working out who the key players are in your area because it is very place-based. So unfortunately, the, the landscape is pretty complex, as we've discovered, um, and, and the different ecosystems going on. But I think 
yeah, mapping out the the actors in in your area, looking for those partnership opportunities. And I think also there's one thing that that really I've been thinking about a lot recently, and that's this idea of a data driven recovery, which is something that that the Australian government through the National Skills Commission has really been pushing, and they've brought out a great core competency framework. And I think that's that's really helpful to, in terms of the UK to actually think about how we can help people to make those transitions into into different jobs, into different pathway careers, but also how we can make sure that those jobs are sustainable as well. And that may mean changing uh, changing job roles. Thanks, Joe. Tony, a sort of similar sort of question about, you know, how should recruiters who are thinking about getting involved in this conceptualise that balance between doing something commercial, uh, which is absolutely essential right now, and and really making a difference? Great question. I guess um, I'm not saying it's as simple as this, but I, I think we're talking about supply and demand here. Um, and unfortunately, what's going to happen in, in the coming months and years is a hugely increased number of um, unemployed people who will find themselves on employment programmes through a range of different employment providers around the country. Now, I, I would I would state that I don't think all of these providers are linked in strategically to their local commercial recruiters. And I, I don't see why that wouldn't be the case, because quite simply, if you've got a, a number of unemployed people, you want to create as many opportunities as possible for them. Therefore, why wouldn't you work with you know good recruiters in your area to see if there could be a, the right fit? So I'm going to make a, a perhaps a practical suggestion on this actually, because one of the one of the challenges I think for both industries is visibility and, and awareness or lack thereof, should we say? So there is an organisation called URSA, which is the um, Employment Employment Related Services Association, and they're the kind of trade body for all of these employment um, organisations. They can be contacted to almost kind of you know be in, you know broker an introduction between um, like-minded organisations, whether it's a recruitment organisation or an employment organisation. And I think we just need to start making this happen and start opening up conversations and seeing where we can we can make these kind of synergies work. So I think that's a really good call, Tony. And, and you know, us as a body of the RAC has a very strong and positive relationship with. And certainly we're in a similar space of thinking about how we not get in the middle of these relationships, but but like Ursa, make sure we create an environment where the kind of unique skills that recruiters bring around supporting candidates and pathways into into work are brought into this debate in a way that supports good outcomes for people who are coming through the system and really positive cooperation between employability providers and recruiters in the months and years to come because we are facing a very significant labour market challenge with very different features to before. Joe, I mean, thinking about all of this and bring us towards the end of the podcast, what what thoughts would you leave our listeners with? I think 
I really want to encourage listeners to think about collaborating with partners across both sectors in order to to basically better better serve businesses, better be do a better job, if you like, of helping people into employment and into sustainable careers. Because I think there are there is so much commonality between the sectors that that often is overlooked. And I think just a plea for learning, a plea to to look for those connections, look for those networks in your local areas. I think that's absolutely spot on, Joe, and certainly something the REC is very keen on helping with. Uh, Tony, Joe, thank you both for joining us today on the pod. I think it's been a really interesting discussion about the opportunity that exists for recruiters to uh, get involved in some of the the important work of transition uh, for people who are moving jobs at a time like this, uh, working with employability firms and their representative bodies, but also working with, uh, importantly, your clients, given that I think supply chain transparency and contribution to issues like inclusion are going to increasingly be part of the questions that clients ask recruitment businesses when they're bidding for for their work, for uh, whether that's from getting onto a preferred supplier list right up to the kind of uh, really uh, substantial MSP and RPO contracts that we're seeing in the market now, and I think which will innovate again in the months and years to come. Thank you to you two for uh, joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Thanks, Neil. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode of the pod, we uh, release one every week. Uh, do keep an eye out. And if you'd like to catch up on some previous episodes, episode 42 on how the recruitment industry uh, is facing up to the opportunities of AI and whether we're ready to fully embrace it with PwC Director of AI, Rob McCargo, is a fantastic listen or something from the client side, perhaps. Uh, Jane Haynes, Senior VP for Talent Leadership and Organisational Development at G- GSK, talking about human connections and uh, and employment models in our new technology-led world is a fantastic listen as well. Thank you for joining us and join us again soon on another episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.